Hey, Mark. Hey. You ever hear that old joke about how the person who represents themselves in court has a fool for a client? I have heard that, yes. Yeah. Same thing goes for people who get their legal advice from a podcast. Dopes. Dopes. Don't do it. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Welcome to the Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. Hey, Mark. Hi, Dennis. We are, um, we're in Studio C, I guess you might want to call it. Yeah, third third choice recording location. Yeah, this is a first, and it's a conference room at my firm. And we don't want everybody to know that we're here. So we're, we're in a we're, we're conference be room. super quiet, so turn up the volume. Right. The only one that's got shaded glass on the... Yeah, so nobody knows we're in here. And there's a whole bunch of boxes that kind of block our view of the door. Yeah, so, so it's, it's um, like a gorilla podcast. Stealth today. podcast. Are we going to talk like this the whole time? It would be really exhausting. It would, it would, it would suck. I think we're going to have to just risk it and talk like normal people. Okay. It is super early in the morning too. It's it's like 730. There's nobody here here yet. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) I'm actually doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm getting settled into my new job. Congratulations. I'm enjoying it. I, you know, there there may have been a little moment yesterday where, where my direct reports did not know who Captain Picard and Commander Riker were what? So we have some education that we're going to have to do. But, 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 but yeah, I know. Is it a generational thing or just I, a, I a cultural ignorance? Well, I'm I'm not going to go so far as to say anybody that I'm working with is is ignorant, but I think it, I think it's partially a generational gap, and then partially like maybe just not into sci-fi. But I thought just as a cultural reference that people would know that I tried to draw out an analogy of you know, leadership styles of the two and it didn't, it didn't resonate. Really? No. You would think they would know at least Picard just from memes. Right. Or from X-Men. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Which is where they knew him from. Oh, they're like, oh yeah, the guy that oh, the plays guy Magneto from X- or right, whatever. The guy from X-Men. Oh, it's a well, sad, sad it, commentary. Yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed today. But, um, we're going to I think I think maybe since, you know, it's my team now, I'm we're just we're going to have a Star Trek The Next Generation watch party in my office at some point. I think you should like make I'd assign mandatory homework, right? Like you got, must go watch Encounter at Farpoint. Um, Trouble week. is, I got to say, if you watch Encounter at Farpoint, as I did when it was first aired. It, 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 it's great. You you no, may not watch anymore. No, I disagree. Ugh. I disagree. So here, here. But wait, I'm going to say something. Deanna that you, Troy's costume and hair. Well, but that's the whole first season, right? But I do I think know. I do think that they do a great job of setting up the show in that first episode. Oh, I, I think agree a lot with of that. the rest season is terrible. Oh God, first season but, was painful. But Encounter of Farpoint is actually a good episode in terms of the writing and the story, right? And like there's actually some pretty progressive stuff in that first season, right? Like they have, I just noticed this cause I'm watching it with my kids right now Yeah, that they have on, on the starship, right? They, it, it, they got rid of all of this, like the second season, but they have women who wear Starfleet uniforms that are like skirts, but they also have men that do. 
I do remember that. And there's one scene where a guy pokes his head around the corner and it's a guy in a skirt. And I'm like, this was 1987. Yep. There you go. Go Gene Roddenberry. Yep. So take the good with the bad. All right. I'll try. But I'm telling you, Deanna Troy's I, I know. outfit was just, I know. you know, it made my eyes bleed. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm saying also. I don't know why I'm saying I'm sorry. I didn't make it. <laughs> pre-beard Riker is really hard to take. You know, but I remember watching that when I was a kid and I was watching that. And it's when he came on, like, I think it was season three with the beard. Yeah. He was totally off-putting to me. Wow. And now that's normal Riker, but. Right. Huh. Interesting. Well, our listeners who, you know, those who are still listening after that interlude probably want to hear something, you know, employment, HR related. So we have anything like that to talk about today. Have you ever worked? I I don't actually know the answer to this. Have you ever worked at like a small company where you like you like worked for the owner? Yeah. How'd that go? Um, (laughs) Without, you know. Saying anything mean about it anyway. I mean, well, say, no. say whatever you want. The but. first time I did it, I worked for three days and got fired. Oh. Um, now, to be fair. I, th- I think, have you told me? I think you've told me about this. Yeah, I, I pumped gas for That's a little, right. pump, little gas, gas station pumping. when I yeah. was in high school. And the owner's brother-in-law got paroled and needed a job. So I right. got so fired. So it wasn't because of anything hired. that you did. Well, it could have been. He just hadn't figured any of that stuff out yet. Um, but no, three days. And he didn't pay me. Okay, that's a problem. I got totally stiffed. So not a good owner boss. No, and by the time I knew I had a wage claim, the statute of limitations had run. So, yeah, I was like 16. I was like, yeah, right. whatever. Yeah, you hadn't gone to law school yet? No. And I figured, you know, <laughs> so you didn't pay me, and I ran the garden hose into the gas tank. I guess we're, I guess we're even. <laughs> Fair. Because we got an interesting question from a listener oh, this week. all right. Um. And, you know, she didn't say if I could say her name, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, so Susan Drake. OK. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I just made that up. Um, but she writes, hi, guys. I am completely in love with your podcast and have been binging episodes since I discovered HWE a month ago. Oh, cool. I love emails that start that way. Me, too. Um, I love it when they like I love, you know, and then I get all like fluttery and then it's like your podcast and it's kind of a letdown. Oh, see, like people occasionally say that to me and then I'm like, thank you. I don't know how to react to that. Really? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, I guess you could say thank you. I did that. I mean, I get that part out and then yeah. it's then I feel awkward after that. Yeah, right. I, know. Anyway, I know um, the feeling. I'm right there with you. Uh, thank you for being so educational and entertaining for us HR folks. As you know, the hashtag MeToo movement has been a hot topic since it made its first appearance late last year, and everyone has been talking about going to HR to make sure your employer has a chance to rectify your harassment issue. But my question, and one that's been puzzling me for some time is, what do you do when the alleged harasser is the owner of your company? Oh, my. And I heard that question, and I thought, you know, that's a great Thing for us to talk about. And so I agree. She, she continues on and says, currently I'm the only HR consultant at an employer services organization. At 20 employees, we're rather small and uh, we are blessed to have a great owner of the company. But I often wonder how I'd tell my clients uh, will come to me and say the owner of their organization has been accused of harassment. 
I live and work in California, so I would absolutely advise the client to seek out an external investigator such as a lawyer or other certified investigator. But my question is, what can HR do if it turns out that the owner is harassing employees? We obviously can't terminate the owner, and actually, we can't even force the owner into harassment training or anything else. We could ask, and if the owner is remorseful, he or she could agree to, att to attend training or submit to some form of monitoring, but they may also not be willing to. So what recourse does an HR department have to ensure discipline and a change in behavior if the owner is found to be harassing employees? I would deeply appreciate any insight into this conundrum. How would you advise a company to address this particular issue? Should I go to the EEOC on the employee's behalf, encourage the employee to do so? Since nobody's addressing this anywhere online, I don't know if I'm missing something super obvious or if nobody's thought about it before. Thank you for your insights. Wow. That's a great question. And thank you. I mean, we're, we're always struggling to figure out what we're going to talk about. I love the idea that we're getting listeners telling us what to talk about. It's, it's the perfect question and the perfect lead in for our conversation. I today. mean, usually listeners tell us, you know, to shut up and they do know. not. OK, fine. Um, so. So I, 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 let's talk about that first. I have a case to talk about that yeah. I think might be one way in which this plays out. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure that the case we're going to talk about really answers the question about what HR should do in this situation. So do you want to talk, us to talk about that first? And I think then so. look at the case? I All think right. so. So what do you think? Right? It's a super difficult situation where you're HR for a small company and employees are complaining that the owner is committing harassment. Right. Like you report to the owner still. Right. So what happens when HR is the harasser or reports to the harasser? What do you do? This other than, is other than quit. This is this is <laughs> this is when I begin to question the validity of our show format where we don't tell each other what we're going to talk about first. Yeah, well, so so it's funny because <laughs> I, I've had that I, I, feeling too sometimes because I feel like I'm put on the spot and I'm totally putting it, you on the spot with this. But I actually think it does make for a better show and I have some opinions on I, this. I'm sure you do, but but the feeling, the reaction you're having is trying to organize those thoughts right exactly. now. And which I've had many times on the others. We've done this to each other many times. And I think that is a great example of just how good a question this is. It's, it's a very and just good how question. difficult I an love issue this is. Question. And there's a reason nobody's talking about it right. because there aren't really many good answers. Okay. But here's a few. Yeah. Here's a few. I don't know if they're good. Right. They're not here, obvious and they're right. Like here's some answers. But and it's, here's some it's things a hard to think situation about. to handle as HR. Right. Here's, here's how I break it down. As an HR person, you have a loyalty to the company. Yes. That is what you are paid to do. Now, your, loyal, your loyalty is not necessarily to the owner as an individual. And oftentimes, you know, you have the active owner. You may have other passive owners or passive investors or family members who are involved in the business. But your loyalty is to the business. And as a result, you do have an obligation as the HR person. This is your job duty to go and talk to the owner. And I do think you have to have a chat with the owner and say, look, I have received a report that you have violated our own policies, assuming you have some. And if not, I've gotten a report that you have been engaged in harassment and you you pay me 
to do something and I'm doing it right now. And I got to let you know, if there is truth to that, there is going, there is possibly some legal consequences to you if that behavior continues. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay, great. There are still potential legal consequences out there if somebody comes along and says that it did. Who, who told you that I did this? You know what? Do you really want to know? I do. Well, because if, I, if you insist that I tell you and that person later claims retaliation, we're going to have a separate chat about retaliation here in a second. But if that person claims retaliation, wouldn't you rather be able to say, look, I never knew that that person complained. It's my advice that you don't make me tell but you But somebody that. is lying about me. Yeah, you know. I want to know who it is because I'm going to fire be. them. But I'm going to tell you the consequences of having me tell you the identity of the person who complained. And then you, then it's up to you to make a choice. Okay, tell me. It was Mark. <laughs> All right. Bring Mark to my office and go fire him. You know, and here are the right. consequences of if you firing right. Mark. And and for you telling me that, I'm going to fire you too. Here's here's my resignation. Right. Yeah. But here's like, my resignation. Like you can't uh, fire me because I quit. I'd like to say I'm being over the top and playing that but role. But you're not. But I'm not. And that's hard for anybody to to walk into when your job is your livelihood. And yet that's exactly what you should do if this happens. I actually thought you played that very nicely. Thank you. I thought that was exactly the way to handle it. I may have had to have given that advice 10 or or 15 times. Yeah. (laughs) Once or 10 or 10 or 15 times. Yeah. Um, So what's some thoughts that you have for HR professionals who might be kind of junior in their career who haven't had to face a very difficult situation like that, right? To be able to walk in and have that conversation, knowing that somebody else's job or their own job might be on the line. Okay. Here's a couple, here's a couple thoughts. And these will not always be available for everybody. If you as the HR person are in a position that you can have an outsider come in and have this conversation for you, you are better off. There's, really two possibilities for how to do that. One is to have an outside investigator come in. The other would be to have your external counsel come in. Or if you're really lucky and you have in-house counsel, but most small businesses like this will not. Yep. But if you have an outside lawyer and you're in a position where you can pick up the phone and call them, and this is why I've had this conversation 10 or 15 times, Yep. you can call your outside lawyer and strategize about the best approach. And say, hey, look, you know, at that point, it's it's your boss and it's my client. And we both have an interest in figuring out the best way to approach them, knowing what we know about their personality, potential volatility, what's going to resonate and who's best to deliver that message. Sometimes that is a message that comes best from outside counsel. And, you know, we're in the same position. We're not hired by Joe Blow owner. We're hired by blow company yep who happens to be owned by joe so my loyalty runs to blow company and that means my ethical obligations are to give legal advice to the company sometimes that might be legal advice that will get me fired got to do it anyway part of just the professional risk you take by doing what you do yeah 
Yeah. And sometimes we have to face that. And sometimes we do. Right. I don't think this is a usual situation for too many people, but it is one that comes up. It often uh, enough. Yeah. Right. And I think it's I think that's really good advice. What if there's not really any external option? What if you don't have the budget? You don't have that relationship, right? What else can you do? I don't have anything in mind. I'm putting you on the yeah. spot with this question, but No, I'm I mean I really do think your options are very limited. Yeah. And it goes back to your professional duties and your loyalties. And when I'm talking about loyalty, I'm not talking about your, you know, some sort of ephemeral do you want to be a loyal person or a disloyal person? I'm talking about legal duties. You're paid to do something. That's your duty and that's where your loyalties run. Right. And doing nothing is failing at your job. Right. And you are and, still doing more for the company by bringing it to light. But there are some things you could do that are just patently disloyal, such as running off and filing a complaint with the EEOC. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do that. Not I, while you're still in your job. No. Right. Or encouraging somebody to go off and do that. I don't think you can do either of those I things. I completely agree. And I would never advise anybody to do that. I'm not sure that you can quit your job and then file a complaint with the EEOC. I mean, I know as a lawyer, I certainly couldn't. I'm obligated right. to maintain confidences and secrets long, right. you know, forever. As a non-lawyer HR professional, let I mean, let's assume good faith on that individual's part through all of this, right? So I bring that claim after I quit, right? I'm still going to have to show that it, right, like, was either a constructive discharge, which means some really awful stuff was happening to me, or my employment was altered in some material way because of a report as a retaliatory act, right? Right. But I don't think that we can go so far as to say that HR professionals are not protected by retaliation and harassment laws. What I mean is... But but just because you have that difficult situation going on internally, it doesn't mean you can just quit and whistleblow. Right. Right. Because you you still owe a, a duty of loyalty to the company. Exactly. Now, if I am fired as an HR person because I dared to raise this issue to the owner, maybe I then can file an EEOC complaint on my behalf. Yeah. But I still think that you have an ethical obligation to maintain confidences and secrets that you've learned in the course of your employment. Yeah, there's also a, a kind of an area of law there that is a little fuzzy, and I haven't I haven't actually had a case like this for over ten years, so I don't know how where it's gone. But mm. if it's your job to raise issues and your job to report concerns, right. if you get fired for having done that, there's a there's an argument that employers can make that because it was your job, you weren't fired because of it. Correct. And I don't know if that would apply to HR in this kind of context. I'm it's, not it's a squishy sure. line for me. Where I have seen it is like. I've seen it with lawyers. I've seen it with lawyers. Right. As in I've particular with, compliance lawyers. I've seen it with compliance raising, lawyers. I've seen it raising with compliance issues. I've seen it with the safety manager of a company that comes along and I'm just going to make up a scenario, but comes along and tells the boss like, yeah, we've got asbestos in the warehouse. We should probably do something about that. Since I'm the safety officer, that's kind of my job. It's my to job tell you. to do it. And the boss is like. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to do nothing about the asbestos. And by the way, you're fired. And then that person runs off and tells OSHA. Right. Well, were you, 
they have it's your job to do that so you didn't right. do anything out of the ordinary you're not blowing the whistle because you're paid to blow the whistle right this is getting a little esoteric for this conversation it but, is so we should right so that i want like i agree like let's we can move on from it I just, but, but, but it's important but it's, to tell the hr people out there that correct just because you get fired for dealing with Doing your, your boss's job. harassment doesn't mean you've got the golden ticket to the magic lawsuit right it could be a real uphill battle Want to talk about a case real quick? Unless do you have more to do? You have no other I think, thoughts? Uh, I, let's, let's talk about a case. Okay, this isn't a very complicated case. Oh, good. But it is a. I mean, so after I got this email, I just I just googled like I can't remember my exact Google search, but it was like owner boss harassment EEOC and something you, like that. And then you clicked on images, and I did not. Okay, that's good. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> I've learned my lesson before. Um, and found this um, peach of a case. And I, I found a write-up by an employment lawyer in Florida about this case. Um, and this is a case. It is equal opportunity. Ah, the EEOC. I'm just going to say EEOC because it's too early in the morning for me to get that all out. Versus McWhite's funeral home. Yeah. Oh, Dennis is 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 flashing me in here to show me that he is wearing the same exact T-shirt that I am wearing today from a concert that we went we to went about to the same three concert. years ago. Yeah, what are the odds? I I am curious why he chose at that exact moment to do that, but well, I just I, noticed your T-shirt. But I enjoyed it nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel harassed. I did not flash Mark, by the way. I unbuttoned my well, overshirt to yes. show that underneath I was wearing the same T-shirt he was. You made it sound like I was, you know. Well, we are in a shaded conference room in your law firm. Well, true. I was thinking of last week's episode with, <laughs> and the listener story. Just, anyway, the, I digress. Tell the yeah, story. Yeah, um, Let's talk about a case. So, so again, this isn't going to be a lot of analysis, but it fits the theme of, of like, the worst owner ever. Sure. And fitting on past themes. Worse than had, the guy that fires the 16-year-old kid so he can hire his recently paroled brother-in-law? I think maybe. Okay. Let's see. I think maybe. Um, n- not our f- first funeral home case. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> and not at that level. I will say it was. this does not involve murder and... Poo-flinging? Poo-flinging and that sort of thing. But it, this is... I was going to say the word prototypical. I don't think it's prototypical, but it's it's like your like really bad harassment case. Okay. We've, okay. So we've got a setup. Let's tell so the story. We have three female employees of this funeral home who bring a claim uh, for hostile work environment. Ding 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 ding. Um, ding. Everybody drink. Uh, hostile work environment, sexual harassment, retaliation, and constructive discharge uh, under Title Seven. I believe this is in Florida. Um, the three employees make the following allegations um, that McWhite, who is the owner of McWhite's funeral home, um, uh, took actions towards one female employee that included sexual propositions of an unspecified nature, sexual remarks of an unspecified nature, telling her that he took Viagra at work, uh, remarks about her butt. Uh, touching her breasts. I so badly want to make a joke using the word stiff because it's a funeral home. But I'm going to refrain because I'm I'm taking the high road. 
well, well done. Um, I, how mature of you. Thank you. Uh, touching her breasts and her butt, uh, demanding that she have sex with him in order to receive unpaid wages. Hmm. So an interesting... <laughs> the, the twofer. The twofer. And the uh, we have quid pro quo here, which we almost never have Yeah, in cases. Um, remind, remind our listeners what's quid pro quo. This for that. It's Latin. It's one of the few Latin terms lawyers actually right. use. So just reminder, two kinds of... Hostile work environment. And quid pro quo. No, you forgot to go ding, 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 and everybody ding, ding, take ding, a ding, ding. Yeah, sorry, ding, ding, ding. Hostile work environment Hostile is work one, environment. Which, which we were normally talking about. Right. It was like dirty jokes right. and it, sexual it, comments. It, it made a lot more sense to name the podcast Hostile Work Environment instead of calling it the quid pro quo podcast. Right. No one would get it. The quid pro quo. It would actually be very disturbing if it right. was the quid pro quo That's podcast. when somebody in a position of authority demands sexual favors in exchange for terms and conditions of work. Like... Getting your paycheck. Like more or, money or not denying money. Or right. Other or, remuneration know, of. Not getting fired. Right. Or getting a nicer office. Right. Um, so in this case, we have a quid, quid pro quo component uh, demanding that she have sex with him in order to receive unpaid wages um, and showing her pictures of naked women on his cell phone. Unclear whether they were photos he took. Were or they alive not. or dead? I mean, the, it's a funeral home. I'm thinking oh, it could be work related. That was a darker place than I had allowed my mind to go. Not no, I was just the, thinking this this could be the summary perfectly not, innocent work related behavior. Why would he be taking pictures and showing them on his cell phone? Well, you know, it's like, hey, I'm not too sure you did the good makeup on Mrs. Jones here. Here's a picture I took. Okay, well, it might be a little far fetched. <laughs> You know, I am a defense lawyer. Right. Fair. We, we, we try Fair. to find a way out. And one that, I, as far as I know, has not ever worked in a funeral home. I have never had a funeral home case. Bummer. Knock um, on wood. Uh, McWhite's allegedly, because this is all alleged, sexual harassing behavior. I, I do think there's probably something to it. We'll get to that. Who knows? Um, uh, Towards another female employee, included telling her to lift up her skirt, making comments about customers' bodies. Who which, are the customers? Like the loved ones of people who died. Not the dead people. I guess they're not really the they're customer. They're not really a right? customer. They don't have agency. Dead people are really bad at paying their bills. Um, taking pictures of female customers' uh, buttocks. That's a new one. That I, that's an interesting one. Um, okay. The three male, three female employees also asserted they heard McWhite sexually harass other female employees, offering them money for sex, demanding sex from them, touching their breasts and buttocks, and making remarks about how he could be their boyfriend and pay their bills. Mm, nice. Um, I can only like. I, I don't know how many employees were at this funeral home. If there was an HR person. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> My guess is that there's not. In the lawsuit, the EEOC, I also agree, there's probably not in this case. The EEOC also contended that McWhite retaliated against one of the female employees. This is where this is where things get even get a little more interesting here. Uh, after re she refused to state in a letter to the EEOC that she had not seen any sexual harassment. <laughs> so he retaliates because she refuses to because she refuses to listen to him when he says, don't say this in a statement of the EEOC. Yeah. You generally um, don't want to interfere with a federal investigation. It's not 
recommended. Just overall good advice. Um, after the female employee refused to comply, he purportedly stopped assigning her work and cut her hours to zero. By doing so, um, that is where our constructive discharge claim comes in. Indeed. Um, the EEOC also asserts that the retaliation did not end with the constructive discharge after the female employee and this this is this is just a really nice detail. Um, after uh, the employee filed uh, her administrative charge with the EEOC, McWhite allegedly contacted her federal probation officer for the purpose of harming her in retaliation for filing the charge. Wow, that takes a special that takes a special kind of jackass. Um, uh, the probation officer reportedly then told the female employee that filing false charges could be an offense. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's it's quite a case of boss harassment here. Um, it settled with the EEOC. And because it's a, it's a it's a consent decree settlement, we actually have the numbers. Oh, how much? Um not nearly as much as I feel like it should have been if all of that was true. Okay. So the funeral home agreed to pay the three female employees $85,000 to resolve their case. Each or as a whole? I, my impression, it doesn't say each of the three. So I, my impression is 85 total. Split three ways. Split three ways. Wow, that is not much. It is not much, which I don't know. Do you think that that's because the EEOC took the case? And It could be. My... My experience has always been that if you settle with a either state agency or the EEOC early on, your settlements are often much less than they would be once lawyers get involved because lawyers want their contingency fee covered. Yeah. And that that really escalates things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I also wonder if this goes somehow to, you know, a jury as opposed to being settled through a consent, you know, consent decree with the EEOC, does a jury award more if there's anything to it? I would think that if a jury found that there was truth right. to this, that they right. would have thrown the book at this guy. Right. But I also have to think that at those numbers that there's some weaknesses in the claim. Maybe so. Given given what I see cases settle for these days. Oh, yeah. So. Um, I, I'd say McLovin or whatever his name was got off easy. Yes, McWhite. McWhite. Um, probably relative to the allegations made. So yeah. having heard that case, put yourself in the position of the HR manager for McWhite's funeral home, right? Is this instructive for that person in any way? Well, I don't know that this helps the poor HR person at McWhite's funeral home, but the fact that this exists is something that the HR person for the next small business with a rampaging owner, you know, you can take this report and show it to the owner of the company. Hand it over. Hand it over and say, you know, look. This is you. You might think I'm full of crap. And guess what? You may be right, but, you know, you may be wrong. And here is some... Really compelling evidence that I'm not wrong. You might want to read this before you go down this path. Here's an example of what might happen. Yeah. And Uh, what might happen, and we think this guy might have gotten off easy. And we, yeah, exactly. 
You know, and that's one of those things when I have been called in to talk to the owner of the company about potential bad behavior. You know, I don't I don't go out and say like, hey, Joe Blow, you're a harasser and need to knock it off. It's not going to resonate. But what I can do is say like, look, you know, this report has come in and that's, that's going to put you in a really precarious legal position. So yeah. we're going to talk about the potential ramifications not if it's true or false, because that makes them defensive. Yep. But what I say is claims like this, we cannot get rid of on summary judgment because there is a dispute of fact. It's going to go to a jury. If a jury were to conclude that the accuser is telling the truth, they could and they could be wrong. But if they get it wrong and they conclude that they're telling the truth, they could hit you for a big whopping bunch of money. You know, do you like to own your house? Do you want to continue owning your house? Because if do you, you want do, to continue to own a business. Yeah. And, you know, if you get sued for sex harassment, here's the one that really turns around 90% of them because 90% of them are married. Oh, yeah. And if you get sued for sex harassment, you're going to have to go home and tell Mrs. Blow that you just got sued for sex harassment. How's that going to go over? Probably not great. But here's the dynamic that makes those cases really hard to settle. And I've had a few of these. They're really hard to settle because if Mr. Blow settles the case after Mrs. Blow finds out that there is a case, he's afraid that it looks like an admission that he did the bad thing. he did the bad thing. And sometimes it's the spouse who comes in and is the most furious at the accuser. Yeah. Because they really take it personally that somebody has, you know, in their mind, falsely accused, usually their husband, of harassment. And they're the ones that refuse to settle. And sometimes, you know, they are as much as a decision maker in that process as the harasser, the accused harasser. And that's the dynamic that's really hard to work with is when you've got the outraged spouse who is demanding that there be a day in court. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it play out that way a few times. Well, great. Um, I want to thank our listener for that question. Yes, thank you. Question. It was a, I, I, I enjoyed that conversation, and I think it's one that we don't hear enough about. Yeah. So. And our default is always never to name yeah. Who sends us yeah, stories I, I or asked, ideas I or questions before we recorded to see? You know, if it so was if you okay, want so. your name on the air, we're we're happy to tell it. And there's basically two ways to do that. One is send us a great story or question and tell us in the email that you want us to or are okay with us sharing your name. The other is to donate ten dollars or more per month on Patreon. Yes, <laughs> which is something you can do at www.patreon.com slash H-W-E. All right. And um, we'll be right back. Groovy. So, Mark, I hear you have an update for us? Yeah, not so much an update, but a clarification. Um, remember a couple of episodes back? Uh, no. Well, I, I'm going to remind you okay. now. Maybe that will trigger a memory. We had um, – it was episode 34. We oh, had, that one. That one. You're going to tell me now which one that is? No. 
um, uh, episode 34, we had a, a case out of Boston with um, Brigham and Women's Hospital, which was the largest verdict in an employment case in Massachusetts. Now, that one I do remember. And one of the questions we had related to there was some weird employment thing going on with Brigham and Women, Women's Hospital and Simmons College, and the employee was going back and forth. Yeah. So my friend Colleen writes in um, from Boston and says, hey, Mark, I'm catching up on the podcast after vacation. I just listened to episode 34 about the employment case in Boston. Stop. I think you should say all of this email, but in a Boston accent. Like, hey, Mark. (laughs) I'm not even going to try. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Continue then. (laughs) I'd rather. Yeah. No. Um, uh, You can read it in a Boston accent if you want. Are you no, no, nah, okay, nah, I'll pass. Um, I'll just say, Hey, mock a whole lot, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so, um, Brigham, Brigham and Wimp, <laughs> thank you so much, Dennis. Now, you're welcome, yeah. mock. all right, <laughs> mock. <laughs> Uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital is in the Longwood section of Boston, uh, which is where there are tons of major hospitals, including Boston's Boston Children's Hospital, Dana-Farber Cancer Center, Harvard Medical School, Brigham and Women's, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and lots more doctor offices. Simmons College is also very close to Longwood. Since Simmons is, has a nursing <laughs> you program. You said Longwood. Seriously? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hostile Work Environment with Mark and 12-year-old Dennis. Um, Since Simmons has a nursing program, Brigham is one of the many places uh, where Simmons nurses can do their clinical work. Looking at the Simmons website, you can see that Simmons has approximately 200 part-time faculty. Most are clinical faculty with full-time jobs in schools, hospitals, businesses. Therefore, if she wanted to teach clinical nursing students for Simmons at Brigham, she would need permission from the hospital. So we had a whole long discussion oh, about which being confused about like yeah. what the heck. Yeah, that explains that it. So that's just to clear sense. up why Brigham would get to say no to her taking a job at Simmons. It's probably more of a parallel job that would keep her at Brigham. Um, so anyway, thank you, Colleen, for that clarification. Thank you, um, and uh, for bringing out. And if Mark or I ever screw something up, let us know. Oh yeah, we'll 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 correct it. We'll correct it. maybe. Or or if we ask the question like. If somebody can explain to us how this works. Oh, yeah. We do that a lot. And so thank you, Colleen. Yeah, for reach out. Explaining. Stories at hwepodcast.com. Um, Colleen also sent us an email um, related to episode 36 where we talked about. Um, okay. Colleen's wearing out the welcome. No, I'm no, kidding. You're going to like this. I'm going to show okay. you this. No, 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 show no, no, this. no. Go, 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 um, go, go. Uh, we talked about shorts. Short shorts. Short shorts. Um, we like short shorts. And we shorts. talked about, you know. Formal shorts. Yeah, we she, did. She <gasps> did. She send us a picture of formal shorts. Bermuda shorts at the Olympics. Oh my god! You, you well, send that to me, and I'll, I'll I'll put it up on Twitter next week. But they're appalling. I think they look wonderful. I Oops. you know if it weren't for the long socks, I think I could agree. But I am not a fan of shorts plus socks. Long socks, and all that you really see is the knee. Yeah. It's just like, here's my knee. I think they're cool. Well, thanks, Colleen. Thank you, Colleen. All right. Dennis, you have uh, something for us to talk about in this middle segment? Yeah. That is not update related? So I found this really interesting. And it's not very often that I get to pull 
my sources and material out of Scientific American, but today is one of those days. Oh, cool. So, although we, you know, just led this episode with a discussion of Star Trek The Next Generation that probably reveals a level of nerdiness that I'm not sure we've quite yet reached in this podcast. Oh, oh let's be very clear here, listeners. Like, that was very mainstream sci-fi discussion for the two of us. Oh, yeah. No, totally. We go much deeper into nerddom than that. But one of my nerdiest pursuits is the sciences. I am fascinated by crazy stuff like, you know, astrophysics and quantum mechanics and stuff like that. It's one of the things I really geek out on in my free time. And one of the people who I thought was one of the most fascinating sciences, scientists to follow is an astronomer by the name of Jeff Marcy. Okay. And Jeff Marcy, for those of you who don't know, um, was one of the pioneers of the discovery of exoplanets. Very cool. Which are planets orbiting suns other than our own. And he was really pioneering in developing techniques for us to be able to detect those by measuring the wobble, wobble. I was going to say it's wobble. of yeah. a star being pulled in different directions by the planets orbiting the star. And he has been responsible for the discovery of literally thousands of exoplanets. He was a um, professor at um, University of California, Berkeley, until about two years ago when he was fired. Okay. And the reason Jeff Marcy was fired is because he repeatedly engaged in inappropriate physical behavior with his female students, including unwanted massages, kissing, and groping. Now, he ended up writing an open letter apologizing for his actions. Is His whole case led to a sort of cascade of similar reports coming out of the sciences i personally was really crushed because i really thought jeff marcy was a fascinating individual he has written books he's been on tv you can go to youtube you can you know it's it's jeffrey with a g like you know joffrey like the toys r us giraffe um but he he, it's jeffrey the toys r us giraffe and joffrey from game of thrones Whatever, um, I'm 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 just telling people it's Jeff, still, Jeffrey, Jeffrey with the G. Still has a J, really? No, oh, whatever. You read the books? I know. All right. Um, but my point here is, is that he was an incredibly engaging speaker, very personable. Really was able to bring down his his work and explain it. He was on the short list for the Nobel Prize. I mean, he was a big deal. Um, but his case really shone a spotlight on sex harassment in the sciences and the more recent, um, update on this is that there was a major national report on sex harassment in academia and the sciences that was published just this year, just last month in June. And it found, shockingly to no one, that there was widespread sex harassment in the sciences. But what was interesting, the authors of the report, which include um, Beth Hillman, who is president of Mills College, 
They wrote a 311-page report. We're not going to get into it. You're not going to read all 311 Not going to read all 311 pages out loud. But while they found sex harassment, what they found much more prevailing is what the authors call gender harassment. Now, what they are distinguishing is between sex harassment, which is the sort of like groping, the sexual comments, the really like, you know, sexuality charged type of environment versus what they're calling gender harassment, which they say is objectification, exclusion or hostility based on gender. So what they're seeing more of in the sciences is that, you know, it's more a type of exclusion based on a perception of the abilities of women to achieve in the sciences being less than that of men. And then men taking efforts to really sort of push women out of the sciences and exclude them. And 20% of female science students, more than a quarter of female engineering students, and more than 40% of female medical students reported experiencing this type of harassment by faculty or staff. So what it concludes is the number one important factor in whether there is sex harassment likely to occur in that type of a setting is organizational climate. What they find is that in academia and in the sciences, there is such a connection between the professor and the student that is individual. Like, you know, you go to Cal Berkeley, or you did up until two years ago, you went to Cal Berkeley because you wanted to work for Jeff Marcy. And you worked for Jeff Marcy, and he was your thesis advisor. And if you wanted to succeed, he was the gatekeeper. There was nobody else. Right. You know, and... It's a lot of power to put in... It is an enormous amount of power to put into an individual. You know, might have ulterior motives. Having spent a little bit of time in academia, I can tell you some people do not use that power judiciously. It is very subject to abuse. That's uh, sobering. Yeah. It also reminds me of tech. Yeah. A lot of what we yeah, hear from the tech industry. Um, and you didn't know this. But our listener submitted story is on the exact same theme. Oh wow! Well, that's a good segue. So, but I'm not done. Oh, you're not done. I'm yet. not done yet. So I was trying to segue here because God, it was, we're going it was, long. It was a great and you were segue. Like, we don't have that much time but today. You, you, it was a premature segue. I got one other point I want to make. So the other co-author of the story is Kate Clancy. She's a professor of anthropology at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. She has been studying sex harassment in the sciences, and one of her major takeaways. And this is funny. I had a conversation with somebody who may be a future guest in a very near episode of the hostile work environment. We were talking about the focus of sex harassment training. And what Clancy says is that we need to stop focusing on the Harvey Weinstein type of sexual harassment. Unwanted sexual advances is the main type of sexual harassment. What is far more common is gender harassment. She says, making people feel like they don't belong, excluding people from projects, emails, or talks, or making feel people feel less competent because of their gender. So she is suggesting that in order to change this institutional, organizational climate, 
we've got to get away from focusing on the Harvey Weinstein, Jeff Marcy kind of harassment, which makes all the headlines, and really dig down into the more sort of microaggression type of stuff that may be limiting women's ability to succeed in the sciences. Right. I mean, I I wouldn't even go so far as to say it's microaggression. It's just aggression. It's just aggression. Right. But it's I, I like the distinction calling it uh, gender harassment as a diff- as right as opposed to sexual yeah. harassment like one is one is one is an intent like I am specifically seeking to have sexual relations with somebody and that is a form of harassment and the other is what we see a lot more of um, or it might be combined the two right but a lot more of what we see is singling somebody out because of their physical attributes being female or male or whatever it happens to be right. um, in a way that objectifies them and everybody like them. Or, you know, making decisions based on an assumption that the woman in the workplace is just not as good as the men. Right. And so they don't get included on that email or invited out to right. the lunch now, with the client. I or would make a distinction on some of those that it is discrimination on the basis of gender yes, as true. opposed to harassment. Very good. Very good point. Right. But sometimes you can say that those pervasive harassment things in a hostile work environment are not right. Are are they bridge the gap between those two things. Yes. Because harassment is a flavor of discrimination. Right. And this is fluid, right? It can go yeah. all the way from like, I I seek to use my power and have sex with somebody because of that to smaller aggressions like we're talking well, about. Well, and it doesn't have, have to larger, be that they that want to have sex with somebody. It could be right. I just like to ogle somebody. Right. Or, well, but, you know, but very, it, I right. like to watch so-and-so right. blush one, when I say a dirty joke. One end joke. of the yeah. spectrum to the other, though, right? right? Like that all of these things are problematic, right? And I like some of the terminology that I'm hearing there, that is sex harassment, maybe and gender, gender harassment. harassment, and then gender discrimination, which I'd put in three different boxes yeah. with fuzzy lines separating each of them. I agree. So now that I've blown your segue, do you want to segue again or just, you know? I mean, do you want to take like two seconds and we'll be right back? Since we, we I guess we usually take a break between our third well, segment. Well, yeah, we usually take a break. I mean, you know, are you going to like, you know, segue into that break? Well, now I'm picturing Job. Oh, God, From no. Arrested Development. God, I, I was. With the Segway. You know, we live in Portland. We now have Segway tours. Oh, yeah, they've been around for Portland. years. God, they're oh, yeah. awful. And, and I was out running working yesterday. Working downtown. And I mean, I worked, used to work on Broadway right here, and there'd be Segway tours going by pretty much all <laughs> summer. Um, on that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. It is now that time of the podcast, that most important time, and for some people their favorite time, where Mark tells us a listener-submitted story. Now, before Mark does, we need to really beg and plead for more listener-submitted stories. The stocks are running low. We are basically getting to the end here. It's it's kind of like, you know, it's like the Walmart right before the hurricane hits when the only thing left on the shelf is like a bad flavor of rice aroni and condensed milk. That that that's that's and what like our like some snowblowers. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what our <laughs> stock of listener submitted stories looks like right now. So, yeah. please. Um yeah, send us stories. Um, to stories at hwepodcast.com. Right. If not, 
that's going to require one of two things to happen. Oh, which, no. Which means more work for us. And neither one of them is good for our listeners. Right. One is we come up with a different concept for our final segment until we get some stories. Um, and who knows what that would be. I think it's karaoke. It it might have to be karaoke. Yeah. Um, or we just make up stories. And pretend that they were submitted by listeners. Right. Which might get our creative juices flowing. But I just don't – I think knowing that these stories are real is what gives them a certain amount of impact. Right. So. We do not want to become the penthouse forum of employment podcasts. <laughs> so please – Submit your stories. Mark's pretending he doesn't get that reference. It's shameful. I, I am not pretending that. I'm simply trying to move on. Yeah. Um, so here's our submission today. Um, hello, HWE podcast. Hello back. I know y'all are running low on stories. <laughs> Apparently we have a Southern listener. And somebody who did recognize that we are, in fact, running low on stories and did something about it. Thank you. Uh, I don't have a single story, but rather three smaller stories that help illustrate the HWE that can happen in grad school. Oh. So we just talked about the sciences, but we were talking about sciences in an academic setting. Well, here we are again in grad school. Yep. I'm finishing my master's this year. Many oh, congratulations. People, uh, yes, congratulations. Um, many people don't know that master's and PhD programs are regulatory and enforcement backwaters. Um, there aren't many of us, and for those that are publishing a thesis, we are at the mercy of advisors and administrators. There's no reason to rock the boat when the person in charge has no accountability and is going to decide if you get funding, salary, health care, and whether you graduate. So true, amen, sister. A pretty. Or brother, is the case maybe. I think in this case it's brother. Brother. Amen, brother. I've um, been there. And, and very much the point you were making in our last segment. Um Anyways, find below three small stories to illustrate issues I have encountered in my sadly relatively tame department. I have a close friend who is Mexican and looks Hispanic. She was in the first year in grad school and attended our department welcome party. She was introduced along with the rest of the incoming students. She decided to get a refreshment afterwards and was approached by a white tenured professor in our department. He decided that to welcome her, he should make a joke. Always a good idea. He then proceeded to joke about how she was a wetback. <laughs> <laughs> Never a good idea. Right? And he was a snowback because he's Canadian. Keep in mind, he had no huh. idea what her actual country of origin was, not that it should have mattered. No. Needless to say, no one found it funny, and she pr proceeded to then avoid department events. Oh, man. I had another close friend who was excited about becoming one of the two representatives for graduate students in our department. She had great ideas and was excited to serve the community. She approached our graduate advisor, who was in charge of administering the election of the two representatives. The advisor then told her that she shouldn't apply since the advisor had already filled one slot with a woman. The advisor didn't want two female representatives. Two problems here. The advisor subverted the, uh, the democratic process that was supposed to occur by appointing representatives and preventing students from voting. Second, there is no requirement for one man and one woman. No. It was a preference that the advisor imposed on the process. My friend left the office and gave up on trying to contribute to the department. My guess is that there's been two men in those roles many a time. Many a time. I have another friend who is female uh, whose academic advisor was also female. 
She was relatively young and was married at the time. After several years into her PhD, she was thinking of having children. She had a meeting with her advisor to try to figure out the logistics of child leave and possibly studying half-time to spend time with her child. She was shocked when her advisor let her know that she didn't want her to have children during her PhD. She then found out that her, uh, her advisor strongly discouraged any female students from having children while in school. She left the meeting stunned and talked to her colleagues. They told her that students in the past had been shunned by their advisor for getting pregnant. The advisor had limited funding for those students and avoided giving them academic guidance. She also found out that men in the lab that had had kids were not discouraged by the advisor. She had the kid anyways. Good for her. Wow. I'd, I'd love to be able to say I'm shocked by that stuff. No. But, you know, I spent six years in grad school and I know what it's like. And that's, I hate to say, par for the course. Yeah. Um sad yeah but timely and it is timely just, very it's timely. kind of funny here i'm giving a harassment in grad school example and then we have a That's harassment story in grad school story that we happen to have to talk about today completely unplanned total random coincidence totally random um thank you for that yeah thank you for that submission um again i'll just reiterate um that may have gotten us down to about zero yeah there's like, you know, a can of expired dog food on the shelf right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to go quickly unless we get some some new stories. So please send us stories, stories at hwepodcast.com. And, um, you know, if you want to be reminded to send us stories, I'll tweet about that next week. <laughs> yes. You know. So tune into Twitter just so that you can be reminded to do that. Yes. Um, also, I will post pictures of business shorts yes with with bad socks that would be great at hwe podcast that's our twitter handle yep um don't even bother on facebook because we literally haven't updated for like two or three months wasteland yeah we also we we also like talk about ways in which we are falling down on the job here um you know we also have our mailing list which we haven't sent out an update since like march yeah we should probably do that i still get people subscribing to it Oh yeah, cool. Well, because it's the first thing on our website, but then, but you know what's what's really exciting is um, what we're doing on Patreon. That is exciting. Where if you donate a paltry dollar, you we get access to an extra episode. Yeah, um, actually, you can get access to several at this several point. of them at this point. Um, and I think we're we're due to do another. We're due one to here do another shortly. one soon. Um, and we're gonna actually because I'm about to go away for a couple of weeks here, so we oh, we have to record that. a few episodes next week, so maybe we can squeeze one of those in. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think so. So be safe out there. Yeah. Don't um don't get overheated this summer. It's we just came off a. Of, Hydrate. String of 100 degree days here in Portland, and today it's in the 70s, and yesterday it was in the 70s, and it's been glorious. And it's going to be in the mid Back to high 90s, 90s next all week. of next week. It's so going to be enjoy miserable. it while you can. So hydrate. So I'm off to Canada a week Use from Use sunscreen. A week from Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. I didn't know you were going to Canada. Yeah. Watch out for, you know, geese and hockey pucks. I mean, it's summer in Canada. It's still geese and hockey pucks. Depends on where in Canada. <laughs> Drink lots of Molson. That'll do. It's basically water, so it hydrates Right, very it does well. hydrate well. Um, yeah, Victoria. Oh, okay. For, you know, seven that, That's days. barely Canada. Well, it's not It's not far, but it is Canada. It's, it's nice, north though. of here. It's, it's north on of the water, here. so it, it, you can the get temperature your Tim Hortons. Be right. 
I can. Which is very important. Um, you can go to the beer store. Yep. Which is very important. Yep. And, um, you know, Victoria, we got the gardens there. The Empress I've only Hotel. Been once and I was only there for about two days for a wedding. And so I didn't really get to explore. So oh, cool. we may go for some long drives up Vancouver Island. Oh, if I, um, I have some tips. Okay, well, I I spent we'll, a lot of time on we'll Vancouver talk, we'll, Island. We'll so. talk offline, or or, or we'll yeah. save that for um, <laughs> Mark and Dennis uh, travel log podcast. Oh, that that should be our next podcast because people have been listening to this for over an hour now. I I think um, we just rolled into an hour and nine seconds. So so there's time go. to. I think it's time to land this. End this. All right. Bye. Bye. From what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues. May I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. Hit it! If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. Dressed up like a million-dollar trooper Trying mighty hard to look like Gary Cooper Cooper, Cooper! Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks Or umbrellas in their midst